Weezy baby. DJ PK and Frank Dolce joining us now. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hope everybody's doing well. We are doing well. We hope you're doing well, too. Why don't you have, uh, have you on to put a wrap on the youth's five-game season? It was only five <laughs> games, but let's set aside all the negativity. What did you learn about the youths this year that informs your opinion of how good they will or won't be next year? Number one thing you take away. Uh they found another gem at the running back position. I think that's for what Utah wants to accomplish on the offensive side. I think that's critical. And you and I are going to, I know what we're going to do today. We're going to, we're going to battle about the quarterback position. So I've been, (laughs) I've been getting geared up for that and super, super athletic on the defensive side. Yeah, that's fair enough. You know, the quarterback position obviously is always going to be a sticking point if it's not great. But I'm in you. I'm more in your camp that when you have all these other things, I just don't know that you're going to be able to have this great quarterback who's going to be super efficient and they're just going to be excellent in the passing game. Because if you're going to be excellent in the passing game and you're already excellent in the running game, well, I think that's a little bit too unrealistic to ask so i want a quarterback who can make a play and i'm not sure right now that they've got one and that's been an issue but as far as bringing in these transfers it makes me a little bit nervous frank because automatically you're getting guys who weren't good enough to play at someplace else except for maybe this baylor kid but if i bring him in and he's coming in and he's going to be a one-year kid do I really want that, too, because have I made the improvement that I need at that position, or am I just putting a Band-Aid on it? It's really interesting because I think the what, what we thought about the transfer portal early on, or at least what I thought about it, would, would be a scenario where, you know, the rich would get richer and teams like Alabama and Clemson and – Ohio State would just go and raid the transfer portal and take all of the best available talent, and that's probably still somewhat true. But I think what we're also discovering about the transfer portal is that there's a reason guys enter the transfer portal. <laughs> like, it wasn't necessarily that they didn't get along with the coach or they weren't getting enough playing time or whatever myriad of reasons we hear about. It's some Some of it is that it just didn't measure up and and that there you know there are some blemishes on those guys and that's the those are the things that you'll discover so sometimes you think well i'm going to go in the transfer portal i'm going to get a guy that has 17 starts but but it's not it's not a perfect fit and um and, and so it's interesting to see it'll be interesting to see how that works out for or Utah. I I haven't been a huge fan of what's come out of the transfer portal lately. So, but I know these guys are are the quarterbacks that are coming in are pretty talented and highly highly rated and all of those things. But 
But I think it's the, like may, maybe the point that you're making is that these guys come in and they're it's not they're not necessarily you know the four star out of high school that you're hoping for. They they come with some some blemish, and you have to you're going to have to manage that some way. Well, let's talk Charlie Brewer because in a lot of ways this seems like an instant replay from a year ago. Instead of an experienced SEC quarterback, you're getting an experienced Big 12 quarterback. You get a guy who instead of 30-whatever starts has 40-whatever starts. But I do see a completion percentage that's 62%. I see 2-to-1 in the touchdown-interception ratio. And you know what fans want. They want 4-to-1. And they want 68% completion percentage. So there are going to be some throws that are going to make people groan here. And are the youths bringing in a starting quarterback? Or are they bringing in a guy who's going to compete for the starting quarterback and maybe lose to the same guy that the SEC guy lost to last year? <laughs> yeah. I, I think Utah feels like they have their starting quarterback. But they don't have, they don't have a lot of depth behind the starting quarterback and you really need to solidify that that position and it just it clearly it didn't you know it wasn't it wasn't where it needed to be this year although hats off to to uh, drew lisk in the way that he managed his opportunity to play and 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 dick bentley too i mean i he he is the guy that physically everything that Utah wanted him to be a quarterback, but certainly a classy guy and good leader, and his teammates kind of rallied around him. So I think there's something about about Dick Bentley, but we'll see. I mean, this is this is a quarterback this is a quarterback room that I think is led right now by Cam Rising, but with his but the uncertainty about his injury and the question about whether or not he's going to even participate in spring ball. It seems to me that Utah doesn't feel with like the six, I think there's six other guys, five or six other guys on the roster that play the quarterback position. It just doesn't feel like they have any faith that any of those guys are going to be able to lead the team. And so they had to go into the transfer portal to solidify that group. So I don't, I mean, I think it would be, to to me, it's kind of like if they find a guy in the transfer portal that becomes a starter for a year, then that's just a bonus. I, it really feels to me like, and, and I'm not saying they won't let these guys compete for the starting job, but it really feels to me like they're just trying to shore up a position group that for, for some crazy reason is, is really thin right now. So you look at it, I'm trying to recall in recent memory a conference winner that's had a transfer at quarterback. And you look at the two, or the division winner for that matter, and you look at the two times the Utes have won it, it was with Huntley, and then Shelley relieved him. But both of those guys were recruited uh, to come to Utah out of high school. So that's where yeah. I'm nervous of going in the transfer portal because I wonder if it can really fulfill what you're looking for. But at least if I'm going to do it, get them in the program as early as possible, and they're doing that with Rising and then this other kid, which is uh, I think his name's Jackson from, uh, from Texas. Ironically, from Texas yeah. also. Another another kid from Texas, yeah. How, wasn't wasn't uh, was Jacob Ethan uh, was a transfer, right? At yes, Washington. And, and, did, and they didn't they didn't did win they the win division. The, did, no, because then they got no Oregon. Uh, Oregon oh. beat the Utes last year. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, 
so and he as we as we look across um, transfers, I don't even know if you could say there's a handful at the quarterback position that have been impactful. Maybe a couple, a, a few at the quarterback position that have been impactful. So right now, I think the odds are against it. But but Utah certainly could find a couple guys that um, in, in a scenario where one of your guy one of your quarterbacks goes down and you need to fill in, then you certainly have a more than adequate fill in for that for that position and a guy that could make make plays and lead the team. Um, but with with you know going back to this whole this whole quarterback position group for Utah, with the way Utah runs the ball, um, I I still don't think you need a superstar at the quarterback position to be to be really good or to be successful, and and it feels like Utah has that that position solidified the running back group, and if that's the case, and if Utah wants to wants to run the ball, then you know I feel okay about where they are, even though it's I don't think it's perfect. To, you know, at the, at, the, at the quarterback group right now. So I think it's a good thing that uh, we agree you don't need a superstar to win at quarterback because it doesn't look like you're getting a superstar at quarterback. So, what, <laughs> but I think the, the guy who could help them win is the guy who's willing to redshirt and learn for two years and come in late in their career. Now, Drew Lisk is an extreme example, you know, the last half of the last game of his fifth year. But... The guy who comes in from out of state is coming to Utah because he's going to play. The best quarterbacks in Utah might – okay, if you're the best quarterback in Utah, you're going to go somewhere you can play right away too. But could there be a pretty good high school quarterback in Utah who, because he's staying local and he wants to and maybe grew up a fan of the team, would invest in being in the program two or three years and not playing and not transferring? And could they grow somebody in to being a good quarterback as a junior and senior? If Lisk had gotten a chance earlier, could he have done this? Because you're surrounded by a good defense, and you're going to hand the ball off to a really good running back, so you've got to be able to execute the play-action passing game and throw 25 times in a game. And so can they get someone? They have someone on the roster. I don't know anything about Bryson Barnes. He's out of Milford High, and I don't go to Milford yeah. High games. So I don't, I don't know anything about him other than he's on the roster. But is there yeah. someone they could get – who they could groom, who they could put on scholarship, who's a pretty good player, who wouldn't be threatening to the four-star guy and say, listen, we need depth at the position in case you get hurt, but you're the four-star guy. This is a local guy. Relax. Don't worry about it. Don't be that scared of competition. We're not bringing in another four-star from Southern California. Would that, would that approach work? I, it feels like the, the mentality of the student-athlete today has – significantly changed from 30 yeah. years ago when I when I played and that's that's a difficulty because um, you know it's more of the Tuttle philosophy um, wait a second I'm here I'm a four star I'm not starting well then I'm leaving I'm gonna go somewhere else and it, rather than you know way back when it was hey I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna develop I'm gonna earn my shot and then I'm going to start for a couple of years, and um, and and so it's really the mentality of the student athlete today makes it really difficult to hang on to a guy. I think you're right. The best case scenario for Utah is to find 
a, a talented in-state kid who wants to go to Utah, wants to be around, and wants to find his way onto the field and then develop his talents over over a couple of years. And then Utah can mess around and try and find a four-star guy and maybe hang on to him and maybe not. But in the meantime, develop some talent uh, behind the guy who's supposed to be the starter, who thinks he's supposed to be the starter. I do think that's the ideal scenario. But it's just like opting out of a bowl game. And I know that there were lots of there's lots of things to consider. There's lots of factors to consider this year about the bowl game. Um, it, it, you know, not the least of which is financial. But but the concept still of opting out of another opportunity to play, and I'm coming at it from a perspective of 30 years of experience and perspective that. I, I mean, I would have never, I, I would have never even considered that. The opportunity to go and play another game is would be would have been so meaningful to me, or even now is so meaningful that I would have done just about anything to do that. So, I think we're dealing with just a different mentality today, and 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 how how student athletes view view the game. So, it's really difficult, it's, especially at that group. Well, and you're seeing at the running back group too. If you don't get your chance on the field, there's not this thing about, well, I'm going to go prove myself. It's no, I'm going to go somewhere else and give myself a different opportunity. So as far as the in-state quarterback, I mean, that just hasn't happened at Utah. When, when was the last one? we got to go back to Lance Rice. <laughs> and, and what's the problem there? Well, uh, there, there, could be, there could be a couple issues. One is um, Utah's, you know, still not viewed as a quarterback factory or anything close to a quarterback factory. So that you have that working against you a little bit, and and any so any guy in the state who's going to be highly recruited um, is going to look at potentially a USC or like a, a Cam Cooper. We saw him go to Washington State. Um, or another program that feels more like uh, a place where a quarterback can develop and have a shot at playing at the next level. Um, Utah just hasn't just hasn't produced that type of quarterback, so there's a little bit of an issue. the the other The other thing is i I don't know I don't know how much focus there's been inside the program of recruiting. Uh, a quarterback in state. I just I don't know the answer to that, and and so maybe that is something to consider. That that if there's an in-state guy, um, then then Utah should be, you know, kind of front and center on that guy all the time. And I don't know whether that whether or not that's occurring. That may be occurring, but I just I don't know if that's occurring. And so that could be that could be something to consider as well. I mean, it's different because uh, it's BYU, and I don't know how many of the guys are in state. And, you know, it's a religious school, so that's different. And I don't know how many of the guys are in state, but it just seems like they've been six or seven deep in the quarterback room, and there have been some in state guys, and some of them panned out. Um, but on the chance that one of them does, you know, to have that fifth string quarterback, it seems like a minimal investment with the, with the position just being so important. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, but but you you also have to look at um, Utah's done a fantastic job of of recruiting uh, on the defensive side, especially as the defensive line, and now now the defensive backfield linebackers, uh, and and you know a, a handful of those guys come come from the state, but they don't get all of the guys from from in the state. I mean. The, the Sewell kids would have been absolutely perfect at, at Utah. And those, you know, all those guys, except for the one that's on the roster right now, all those guys ended up at Oregon. Um, and, and so there's, there's, there's plenty of talent. There's plenty of talent here. Uh, there's, there's plenty of, and if there's plenty of talent at all of these other position groups, which there seems there there is in the state, then there's plenty of talent. There's got to be plenty of talent at the quarterback position group as well. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to implicate anybody or anything, but, but it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you, in that there's talent enough in the state to 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 solidify that position group and to find that someone in that position group that can stick around and be a contributing member of the team, and. I, I just don't know whether or not there's been that focus on that particular position uh, in, the, in the recruiting efforts within the state. So with all the discussion on the quarterbacking, having said all that, I still expect him to contend for the South next year. You know, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the crazy thing about it. And uh, it is, it, it does give you a little, you know, it does, give you a little bit of anxiety about well you know we're going to have to have the quarterback who does this and who does that and he's going to have to be this and but with the way that Utah and the way that coach Ludwig runs that offense um, it's not necessarily a high bar and so it's not so strange to say even with this quarterback controversy that Utah has right now it's not so strange to say well they're going to compete for the South, because we've seen really good things on the defensive side, and I think that's a that's a defensive unit that developed over the course of the year. Certainly, that that's a that's a crew, especially in the defensive backfield, that's that still needs to improve and and evolve over time. I think they will. They they look like they're very athletic. I like the linebackers. Really excited about the defensive line. So you're going to play really good defense. You're going to beat people up at the line of scrimmage. That's that's number one for Utah football, and that's a huge, huge advantage. Uh, and then on the offensive side, you know, you should return pretty good offensive line. You should be able to establish a running game. I really like Ty Jordan, obviously. I really like Bernard. I think that's a terrific one-two punch. If, if you get Britton Covey back, if you got Keithy back, which I think is a stretch – Man, you're you're in pretty good shape. I don't think you're going to get Brian Thompson back. Um, you still need to find someone to stretch the field a little bit. But but all in all, and and then you you all that with all of those tools, all you need is a guy at the quarterback position that could mostly manage the game and and when called upon make a play. And and I think you have you have that guy potentially in Cam Rising, maybe in these other guys. So. 
I, I don't think it's outrageous to say that. I think Utah certainly has a chance to compete in the South next year. Uh, I want to go back to the bowl thing about opting out. And uh, you've been really clear, you know, that the the number or the lack of number of football games that the Pac-12 in particular and the Utes or the Pac-12 and the Utes played this year is just, uh, you know, mind-boggling and all that. But I, I try to see it from the player's point of view about opting out. And, you know, to get these guys out of a out of the uh, living situation where there'd be, you know, four players in an apartment or a house or whatever. And if one of them gets sick, then everybody's eliminated because of contact tracing. And the odds right. are, as we saw with the basketball team, you know, a couple guys get it. And so there's eight guys in the two. I think there was five and one and three in the other. And all eight have it. So they're trying to avoid that. So they're putting people in yeah. hotel rooms. So now you got guys, yeah. if they're not at football practice, they're back in their hotel room staring at a computer or staring at the TV by themselves, no interaction, and doing that week after week, month after month, they're just sick of it, and they are they, – they may not have opted out of the bowl game as much as they opted out of, man, living in a hotel room by myself. And any of us who've been on the road, man, by like day three or four – PK traveled a lot, so he'd probably say by day two. Uh, but, I mean, a week would be a long time by yourself in a hotel room. And so once you're putting multiple weeks or months on top of each other, I guess I was trying to have a little pity because how, why else would so many teams opt out? There must be a lot of players thinking, I've, I've had it with the hotel room. I'm not doing Christmas in the hotel room by myself. You know, I watched Tom Hanks on a desert island for months with a volleyball, and he seemed to come out okay. Well, that's because he was rich, though. <laughs> he was well. A, he was rich, and B, there were some mental health issues there. Let's be he honest. Didn't, he didn't have any. He didn't have room service for heaven's sake. If he could have opted out, he would have. I mean, there's a reason that he tied that porta potty to that raft and took his chances. He wanted to opt out. <laughs> Look, you make you make very good points, and I I would be hard pressed to disagree with any of any of the things that you're saying right now, and. And the truth is, I haven't necessarily had to experience any of that to that degree, and not, maybe none of us have. Uh, so, so I, I, I think that w- what you're saying is is very credible, absolutely. Uh, and even even with all that, uh, I still think, you know, the the opportunity to play in to play in one more game. And the opportunity to play in a bowl game uh, is is pretty meaningful. So, so I, I don't know. I don't know how I cannot. I I'm not, I don't disagree with you and and agree with you and and then say that the kids should play in a bowl game. I don't know how all that work it works itself out or how it reconciles itself. But <laughs> I'm just you know my my point on it is it's. At, at some point, the the final gun sounds, and no matter how much you beg and plead and pray, you never get a chance to step on the field again. It just doesn't happen. And once you have that perspective, it's it's um, difficult to overcome uh, the fact that you just can't you can't play another game. You can't go out and do it again. And DJ PK, as much as we have tried, church ball. This doesn't measure up. 
Never again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, uh, I've i left out one big question. I probably should have led with it in this, but it's not bad to, to end it here because I, I think it would have been awesome and just hilarious to see, although it was deadly serious in the moment. But what did Kyle Whittingham say at halftime of that game? You got any idea? <laughs> I think the most telling th- thing that he said was, and you can you can paint all the all the colorful things around it that you want, but essentially he said, if we're not if we're going to play like that again, then I'm not I'm not going out. We're not going out for the second half. We're we're going to just stay right here if that's if that's the performance that you're going to give. I. I had a thought, you know, Hans and I did do the, the pregame and the postgame, and it's it's a lot of fun. And by the way, in terms of football anal- analysis, Hans is fantastic. I, I can't even keep up with the guy. He starts talking about things that happen at the line of scrimmage, and, you know, my eyes start start glazing over. So he's he's really fun. But we we were talking about what 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 was that half that first half performance, and we both kind of said, well. You know, Utah, Utah threw the towel in on the season when they opted out of the bowl game. And it feels like that, has, that mentality has carried over to this first half of play. And I, I think there's something to that. I don't know what exactly what Coach Whittingham said at halftime, but this has to be, whatever he said has to be at some point, someone has to release that tape. And that has to become, you know, one of the great halftime speeches of all time. You know, kind of like the win one, win one, Utah's version of win one for the Gipper. Because the, the, the difference in the performance from half one to half two, I just, I don't know if we've, if we've seen anything like that out of Utah football in, in recent history. I mean, I, it was, it was as bad as, well, Looking back, you say it was as bad as you could do get in the first half with, I don't know what you would call that, and then as good as you could get in the second half, completely opposite performances. All right, Frank, we will leave it there. We appreciate you joining us uh, throughout this truncated season, and we look forward to talking uh, youth football with you down the road. Well, let, let's just leave it with this. I, I hope the Pac-12 finally pulls their heads out and figures out how to manage this thing because they failed this season. They failed in lots of ways. I'm just glad we got a little bit of football, and I think the future is bright for the youths. Former Utah quarterback Frank Dolce joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.